Hello there and welcome to the BU podcast. I'm your host Sean Brown and our mission here at BU is to help the world become a happier place one person at a time. Hope you are blessed and well out there and for those of you who saw the last episode you will know that we've taken a week break because I was sunning it in Greece. (laughs) So um, me and the family took a trip to Catalonia last week. We had an incredible time. It was super hot super sunny which is exactly what it felt like we needed because we've not been away for a while Ava my daughter absolutely loved the swimming pool and literally lived in it for a week she wouldn't get out and she made loads of progress with her swimming which is always a nice sort of bonus so we had a lovely time lots of great food lots of time to kick back and relax and today's episode is linked to my time out there because when I was out there one thing I love to do when I'm on holiday is take a book with me and I took a book with me that I return to every now and then. I've had this book for about four years now. And every now and then I return to it. And I just thought I'd come on and share with you some of the insights that I got from the book this time around when reading it. The book is called Money and the author is Arnold M. Payton. Now, when you hear a title like Money, you're probably thinking this is going to be about how to get more money. And on the surface of it, that looks like what it is. But it is nothing to do with that at all. This book talks about money in such a unique way that the first time that I read the first paragraph, I was like, I want to know more about this. You know, I'm not somebody who, you know, is looking to earn truckloads of money. For me personally, it doesn't float my boat. However, I am interested in exploring the relationship I have with money and the relationship that I have with everything and to see whether there's any room there for development or, you know, some new ideas that might help me sort of evolve in that area. And this book certainly has some really refreshing ideas that I thought I would share on the podcast today. Now, there are so many rich ideas in this that this might need a part two next week because there's absolutely loads that I'd like to say, but I don't want this episode to go too long. So I'm going to share a few bits and pieces on this episode. If it feels like I want to get into more and do a part two, then I'll do that next week. But let's get into what I read this time around. So as I said, this book called Money and the author is called Arnold M. Payton. And at the beginning of the book, he tells you a little bit about his life and how his life changed. So in his in his early career, he was a lawyer in America and that was what he did. He had a legal practice, a law practice, and that's what he did for about 20 years. And I think when he, he got to about 50 years of age, he he had almost like a spiritual shift where he started to get these new ideas coming to him. And he describes it as hearing a voice that was telling him these principles about life, these universal principles. And so in the second half of his life, he spent his days, instead of practicing law, he moved away from law and he went into sharing and teaching these universal principles with the people who wanted to hear it. And it started small and it developed and grew and grew. And then he spent the rest of his life and, 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 and I sound like he's passed away. He hasn't passed away, but he spent then the rest of his life up to this point, because he's still with us, sharing and teaching these principles. He is in his 90s now, so he's been doing this for a very long time. And basically, the whole premise of his book is that the, the, the human experience and what that is, he goes deep into that, what it looks like, what it is, and what it seems to him to be about, which is sort of under the surface. You have to dig a little bit to find it. And so what he talks about first is that the human experience is like a game. And we we come into the world 
as a human being and we go through our experience. And as we go through our experience, what we do is we start to pick up the rules for the particular game that we are playing. And the way that we pick up the particular rules for the game that we are playing is through our conditioning and the beliefs that we hold on to in our formative years. And so you can see, as different people go through their different life experiences, they're going to come up with and have, at the end of that formative period, different beliefs, different perceptions, and different rules for how the game of life can be played. Now, what I liked about this explanation is that it, it, it helps us to see why we have so much diversity in people's experiences, in the way that people view life, in the way that people approach life, because what they've been through, their experiences, their conditioning has shaped that so much that then when they go into the world, it's almost as if they're seeing a different world because their map of how the world is has been drawn differently. And so that made perfect sense to me and it lines up with my experience as well. And it also lines up with my experience, and I'm sure you've had the same, as when, so when something happens in your life that changes how you see the world or changes your experience of it, that shift happens and you almost can't remember what life was like before that point. So one big one for me was when Nathan, my firstborn, was born. I can't remember what it feels like to be in the world without a child, to, to, to go back to that place when I had no children. I can't remember that way of thinking anymore. It was such a profound shift instantaneously that certain beliefs must have, must have been kicked in and maybe some of the beliefs were modified or, or knocked off. I, I don't know. I can't explain all the mechanics of it, but I know for sure that my experience of life profoundly shifted from that point. And I think what happened was my map, my paradigm of the world was redrawn in that moment. And there's other things that come along that, that do that too. So ultimately, that's how he sets the book up. And what he says is that our relationship with money follows the same way. So our relationship with money is, is predominantly influenced by the beliefs that we have around money. I'm going to get into that a bit in a bit more detail in a bit. The beliefs that we have around money, the core beliefs, and then the judgments that we hold around money and what it means as well. And he says that the extent to which that is shaped in our formative years and then not looked at or addressed is the extent to which that relationship that's built then will continue to influence our money story as we go through our life. And so this was fascinating to me because when you hear people talk about money, they usually talk about taking action to get more money, right? They'll talk about how you need to, to take this action or take that action or, you know, try and get lots of money in. And that may be true, but what I've noticed, and I don't know if you agree with this, is that people in general tend to tend to stay in the same sort of position around money. And that's irrespective if they have a massive windfall or a massive loss. They tend to gravitate back to a certain point. And that would really strengthen what Arnold Payton is saying in this book, because that would be saying that the person's paradigm around money is influencing how much they have more than the actions that they're taking. And if you go and look up what happens with lottery winners, this is absolutely fascinating. So, you know, a lottery win, Essentially, you've been given a load of money for winning the lottery, right? Now, if you go and look at the percentage of people who win the lottery, who retain that amount of money, or not that amount, but who retain a large amount of money for a long period after winning it, now define long period, I would say five plus years, the percentage of people who actually then do something with that in terms of building it or keep it around the same is really low. Most people return back to the level of money that they were at prior to winning. And that emphasizes 
Arnold and Payton's point even more. If their paradigm has not shifted to having that level of money in their life experience, then that money is not going to stay. It's going to find a way out because it's going to feel wrong to them to have that level of money there. And so why this was super fascinating to me is because it's it, he was explaining that the money game is not what it looks like. And when you start to recognize that the money game isn't what it looks like, then the way that you approach money fundamentally changes. Because with most people, you say, oh, you know, the money game is about just making more of it. And then the more you make of it, the happier you'll be. That is not what Arnold M. Payton is saying. And that's definitely not my experience at all. Because I remember in my early days, I was making no money. I was still living in my, you know, with my parents. I was happy as Larry. So it can't be true that making money equals more happiness. That just simply isn't true. Or maybe that's one of my core beliefs. Who knows? So we could be quite playful around this idea. But let's get into some of the other things that were brought up in this book that I thought were really worth exploring. One of them, and this is a huge one, is abundance is our natural state. Arnold and Payton emphasizes again and again in this book that abundance is our natural state. Now, I, I remember hearing a quote. Now, I can't remember where this quote is from, but I'm just telling you it's a quote because I didn't come up with this, but it's just a beautiful phrase. And the beautiful phrase was this. He drew abundance from abundance and abundance was still there. I love that quote because it explains perfectly what abundance is. It is something which has an endless supply. It ain't going to run out anytime soon. That's what abundance is. And when you look to the natural world, the natural world, you look at it at the micro. So when I look at, say, like the allotment, you see abundance in action. I'll take a plant. Let's say it's like a strawberry plant, right? And then that strawberry plant produces fruit. But then it carries out little runners and produces more plants from one plant. So if I just put a strawberry plant in the ground and walked away for five years and did nothing, when I come back, chances are there'll be more strawberry plants there than the one. And for me, that is abundance in action. There is a there is a multiplying effect in the natural world that you can see. We see it with creatures, we see, we see it with trees, basically we see it anywhere where human beings are tipping that balance over. But effectively, the natural world has this abundance to it. It 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 provides for itself and it provides for itself in a way where everything's getting what it needs, more or less. So that abundant sort of image is already built into nature and what it is when you explore it. And what Arnold and Payton is saying is that's our natural state, all right? It's our natural state. But what he also says is that being going through the world as a conditioned human, like being so stuck in our ideas and our beliefs in our mind, and believing that that is the truth, that that is not our natural state. That's our learned state. That's almost like what's imposed on us. And so in that state, what we tend to do is we create limitation rather than creating abundance. We create limitation. And one of the ways that we create that limitation is through the core beliefs that we hold. Another way that we create that limitation is in the perception we have of the world and our place in it. And so Arnold and Payton doesn't mention anything about these are the actions you need to take to make money. This is where you should put your money. This is what you should do with money. He doesn't even mention about having more. There's no implication in this book that this book is about making more money. This book is is instead about something completely different, which is returning back to our natural state, which is one of abundance. And of course, if we return to our natural state of abundance, then that will be reflected in all things, including money. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be balling and having you know money coming out of our ears. 
But what it does mean is that there would be a simple recognition that I have what I need, whether that's millions, because I've got these lofty, you know, I've got this lofty vision of doing this, that, and the other, and I need that much, or whether it's a, you know, a much smaller amount, I have what I need. And the feeling of security that comes with knowing I have enough and that the the natural world, the universe, whatever you want to call it, provides. Being in touch with that understanding is what this book is all about. And so according to Armand and Peyton, we create limitation. We don't create abundance. We naturally already are abundance. So I thought that was worth bringing to the podcast. Another thing that he talks about in this book is how our perception and core beliefs dictate our relationship with money and everything else. There's a section in the book where there's no writing. It says, write down all your beliefs around money. And if you've never done that before, it's a fascinating exercise for you to just, you know, just be super honest and write down everything that you believe around money. And I was super surprised with some of the things that I was writing down. I didn't, I was like, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even know that I believed that, but there I am writing it. So I must. And when you do that, it's amazing exercise in awareness. You start to see, wow, I can see how I believe that and how I could, that's manifested in my world. I could certainly, certainly see that. One big one for me was a recognition that I had tied money and money coming in and having money with hard work. Like in my mind, there was this, there was this belief, and I'm still working through this belief, that money should only come in, in response to hard work. And so what does that set up? Well, it sets up a game where I've got to, I've got to work. I've got to get after it. I've got to work, 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 work in order to get the money in because in my mind, in my view, that's how money should come. Now, is it true that's the only way money can come? Of course not. But if that's my predominant belief, the chances that money can come to me by other means is already less just because my perception has been skewed so much that way. And so that's why looking at this is such a fascinating exercise. You start to realize there are beliefs that I hold, which are actually holding me back. And I'm talking broader than money now that are holding me back in whatever area, it's almost like putting weights on my legs and then expecting me to be able to sprint full speed. I can still put all the effort into sprinting full speed, but by the very nature of having those weights on my legs, I will not be able to run at my full potential. And those beliefs are like that. They're like weights that we don't even recognize are there because we never check to see if they are there. And so asking yourself, you know, what what beliefs do I hold around money is a super powerful question. And then off the back of that, he also then asks you to think about, well, how do you feel about the beliefs that you have? How do you feel about them? Do you feel good about them? Do you not feel good about them? And be honest there as well. And so having this deep dive into awareness around your relationship around money, this is the example I'm talking about here, but you could do this with anything else, allows you to reveal to yourself not only what you believe, but also what you feel about what you believe. It was fascinating to me that some of the beliefs that I had actually felt frustrated that I had them. I, I, I felt limited. I felt less free. They weren't serving me. They weren't supporting me. But you've got to see it to then recognize that. And so having taken the time to examine our perceptions, to examine our core beliefs, and then recognize that if these core beliefs are having an impact on my life, do the belief that I'm holding, does this perception that I have, does it serve me, yes or not? Yes or no? It's a super powerful inquiry. 
And I would, I would encourage anybody to do that around an area where, you know, they want to explore that and see what they really feel in that area. So our perception and core beliefs dictate our relationship with money and everything else. Definitely worth looking at. Another thing that was mentioned in this book, which blew my mind, but was super obvious at the same time, was this. Money has no real meaning in and of itself. We apply all the meaning to money. We apply all the meaning to money. Money in and of itself is meaningless. If I go and grab some money now, like, you know, a five pound note or whatever that I find mine around, in and of itself, it means nothing. It only means something because we say it means that, if that makes sense. Now, that makes sense at a practical level because we've all agreed that a five pound note is worth five pounds so that if I give you one, you know what it is and we can exchange and all the rest of it. But it's deeper than that because we've put status on money. A lot of people will look at somebody with lots of money and give them more status. We'll see them as more successful. We'll naturally, we'll assume that they must be happier will assume that they're some, can assume that they're somehow superior. And the flip side for somebody who's not got as much money, you might say, oh, that person's lazy or whatever. So could you, you can see quite quickly that we can start throwing judgments at people because of the amount of money that they have or don't have, which when you think about it really is ridiculous, but we do do that. And it's because we have the ability of our mind to apply meaning to something outside of us and then treat that as if it's the truth. Whereas the truth is money in and of itself means nothing. And the amount of money that we have in and of itself only talks about then our extent to go and buy goods and services. It does not equate to somebody who's better, somebody who's happier, somebody who's more spiritually aware, somebody who's more anything. It doesn't mean that. But we have all these extra things that we put on what money is, and sometimes that is throwing us off. And so exploring what meaning you've put behind money can be super fascinating as well and can tell you a lot. Because if we're somebody who's put the meaning of success onto money, then we're going to feel like I can't be successful until I've got a certain amount. Now that game, if you're playing it and you know you're playing it, I suppose it's not that harmful. But if you don't even know that that isn't the truth and you're chasing that, thinking that when you get there, you're finally going to be happy forever, you might be setting yourself up for a big fall. So it's really worth exploring. You know, what meanings have I put on money? And are those meanings actually true or legit? And the last thing I want you to share about what was said in this book this time around anyway. I think I'm going to have to do a part two because there's so many other things that I mentioned in the book. But another thing that was mentioned, and I love this one, is appreciation makes the world go round and expand. Appreciation makes the world go round and expand. Now, a few ways to look at this. In this book, Arnold Pater basically says that the, the, the healthiest use of money is to use it as a tool to express appreciation. And you think about it, that's what we always do. We spend happily and freely for something that we appreciate, something that we can recognize the value in it, or, you know, we really want that. And so that's already sort of built in there. And when you see money in that way, it's like, oh, money can actually be a joyful thing. 
it can be joyful because we're recognizing, ah, I'm giving this money in exchange for something that I massively appreciate. When I look around this room, there are things in this room that I've paid money for that I appreciate massively. Could be small things like plants that I've bought for like a couple of pounds. And in the corner of this room that I'm doing the podcast in is a guitar that my mum got me years ago that would have been expensive and I massively appreciate it. I love it. Now, truth be told, I don't play it no more, right? I don't. But just having it in the room, I love the energy that I have from just having it with me. And so money was exchanged for that. Money's been exchanged for every gift of flowers that I've got for my wife, every present that I've got for my wife. You know, money's been exchanged so that we can live in this, you know, this extremely comfortable house that I live in. Money was exchanged so that I could take Ziggy home and Ziggy could become our family pet. So there are many examples where we've used money in exchange for appreciation. But going back to the meaning thing, there are some times where we've applied sense of obligation or almost resentment to money or having to exchange money for something and it can throw us off. So for example, let's say we've borrowed an amount of money and now we feel resentment around that. We're missing the part where we can appreciate. What did we get in exchange for going into that debt? You know, maybe it was a car, maybe it was a holiday, maybe it was a home, you know, like a mortgage, that's a form of debt. And we love the home, but then when we're paying the mortgage, we're like, oh, i got to pay the mortgage. But it's like, well, if you didn't do that, you couldn't have the home. So if we can adjust to appreciation in all these areas, our relationship with money can get lighter, freer, happier, more expansive. And now to move it away from money, showing appreciation for ourselves. This has been something that I've tried to do recently, and I would, I would encourage anybody who's thinking about doing it to do it as well. In the mornings now, what I do is... I try and think of, rather than doing gratitude now, I think about appreciation. And I think about it in three different ways. One, what do I appreciate about myself? Now, if you find yourself a bit triggered by that question, that means that this is even more important for you than anybody else because there is nothing wrong with, now I'm going to reword that, it is essential that we appreciate ourselves. It is essential that we have a loving relationship with ourselves because if we don't, what do we have? We have a relationship with ourselves where we don't appreciate ourselves. We have a relationship with ourselves where we don't love ourselves. And that's going to lead to things that we don't want. So having a healthy appreciation for ourselves is healthy. And so I would say if you find that question challenging, this is even more important for you to look for anything that you can appreciate about yourself. Step one. Step two. What can I appreciate about others? Step three. What do I appreciate about the world? And when I'm walking Ziggy in the mornings now, I spend time on that. First one, what do I appreciate about myself? And it could be anything. Second one, what do I appreciate about others? Third one, what do I appreciate about the world? And and doing that consistently and regularly is getting us into that zone. It's getting us into that, how it feels to be in that place of appreciation for more and more things. And as we do that, we're in that place where we're happy to give we're happy to give money. We're happy to give other things. We're happy to give compliments. We're happy to give good energy. We're happy to give what we have to share. And by the same token, we're more open to receive. We're, and we get ourselves then into that energetic exchange of giving and receiving. One of which is, is where we may, may trade our services for money or our work for money. But many other places as well, giving somebody a gift just because Little things like letting someone out, you know, say you're in the car and someone can get out of the junction, you could let them out, letting them out, and then they appreciate it and all that. All those little places where we can build up that vibe of goodwill, that vibe of, 
you know, we're in it together, helping each other, expands that feeling of appreciation, just changes the feel of our life experience and makes it more of an enjoyable one. And so that idea of appreciation and how we can bring it in, especially for ourselves, because that's the one place where people really struggle with that, is definitely worth exploring. And I would encourage you, if you've never looked at that before, to find some way of noting down, even mentally, speaking it out loud or writing it down, what you appreciate about yourself. It's okay to do that. Like, it's cool to do that. It's it's healthy to do that. Because the more you can appreciate and love yourself, you're going to walk in that energy, you're going to talk in that energy, and you're going to impact other people from that energy. And it's totally legit to do that. I give everybody on here full permission to appreciate themselves to the fullest degree that they can. And so that's there. some of the key headline points that I picked up from reading this book on holiday. It was a phenomenal read. Again, the book is called Money. It was written by Arnold M. Payton. You can find it on Amazon, although because it was a limited print, I'm not sure how many prints are actually out there now. But if you go to the website, I think you can buy it from there. You can certainly get an ebook version from there if you want to read it for yourself. I'm feeling like I want to do a part two on this. So next week, I'll probably do a part two where... I'll scan through the book again because I made a whole heap of notes and I'll use them to create a part two episode. But I hope you've enjoyed this one for today. If you have, there are a few things that you can do to support the cause of getting this podcast into the ears of more people. One thing you can do is you can share this episode that you've just listened to with a friend, with a loved one, someone who you think will benefit from that. In the top of the show notes, you'll see a link. If you copy and paste that link and send it to somebody, it will send them directly to the episode and they can enjoy it for themselves. Another thing you can do to support the cause, if you would like to, is you can, um, what can you do? I always forget this bit. (laughs) You can, I got it. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or you can leave us a review on Spotify as well. That always helps other people to find it. It helps other people to get a feel for what it might be about as well. A massive thank you to everybody who's taken the time to give us a review. We've got a few now and it's lovely to read them. It helps me to also know what people are getting from the podcast so I can try and provide more of that as well. And the other thing that you can do if you've enjoyed this and you want to enjoy more is you can subscribe to the show. So the best way to subscribe to the show, again, is on whatever you're listening to it on, you know, your phone or whatever, If you look at your screen, you will normally see a subscribe button next to the show. If you do that and click on it, every time I create a new episode, you will get it. And not only will you get it, you don't then have to worry about looking back and seeing, oh, have I missed one, have I not? Every single episode will automatically be uploaded for you. Jobs are good. And so thank you in advance for anybody who takes any of those actions. It is massively appreciated from me. And I hope that you've enjoyed what I've put out there for you today as well. Whatever you're getting up to, I'm going to leave you to go and get on with that now, leaving you lots of good vibes and best wishes. Be blessed. Be you. And I'll see you on the next episode.